welcome to Guitar Radio Show, the show dedicated to the guitar player, guitar maker, gear builder, and purveyors of such items that you may not know about, but should.
the meaning of the story I just can't find It hides inside my heart And it escapes my mind Those who think they know the truth They might find it out That the ones who really know me See right through my facade Ordinary madness And it's here, it's here inside It's right here inside It's ordinary madness Folks, welcome back to another episode of Guitar Radio Show. We have with us today a returning guest. Uh, he has a record that's coming out on August 28th. It is a new album called Ordinary Madness, and it is a wash of hypnotic sonic journeys that sweep you away, man. This is such an amazing album, and it's another whole nother level of maturity in songwriting and playing by an already an expert in blues and rock guitar and singing and writing. And it is just really, I, I, I got to ask him if he has painted himself into a corner here. <laughs> it is a wonderful record. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Walter Trout. Welcome back, Walter. Hey, great to be here, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for the kind words there, man. It's like, like you know... I was saying to somebody, you know, you work on an album so much, when it's done, you you have no idea if it's yeah. any good, you know. It is so good. It is it is like, I mean, the last one was great, and this one is even better. Do you feel like sometimes, like, you paint yourself into a corner, maybe? Like, can I can I step this up? Um, you know, I always try to, I want to try to get better. You know, every day of my life, I work on it. I still practice the guitar and work on my technique and try to come up with new things. But um, it's all I can do really is try to do the best I can do and um, hope that it comes out well, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes, um, 
how can, also from one album to the next i like to do something different like mm-hmm. you know my last one was an album of old blues songs so i wanted to do an album of all originals i wanted to write the whole thing you know yeah well, last time you and i talked i had mentioned this off mic last time you and i talked you were stuck in traffic and you were on your way to robbie krieger's studio is this the album you were working on at the time well you know um I did Survivor Blues there, my last album. And the the story goes like this. I was actually supposed to do two albums simultaneously, one album of blues songs and one album of originals. And I finished the blues album and then I had to go on tour. So I didn't have time to really get into the second album so I might have been doing this album because I started it back then two years ago but um, it was one of those records I've done two records there now but I'm not sure which one it was you know so there's another album in the can is what you're kind of saying no in other words this is the second album that I was I was supposed to finish this one the same time as Survivor Blues and I was supposed to hand the label two albums and I I had to tell them I'm sorry I didn't I didn't have a chance to finish the second album because I got to leave on tour right but then it gets even better because then when I got back from the tour and it was time to finish this one I listened to what we had done and I threw most of it away and started over. Wow. Wow. Holy cow. So yeah, oh, that's amazing. So how long was the whole process for this one then? Um, From the time I got back, um, I got back um, beginning of January. We did this one basically pretty much the first couple of weeks of January Mm -hmm. um, into February. And then I went off on tour um, and I had to come home. The tour got, got canceled on March the 12th, but I was actually, um, while I was out on tour, I was picking mixes. My producer, Eric Korn was sending me mixes and I was choosing the mixes while I was on tour. So this one was done pretty quickly, actually. Yeah. The Survivor Blues, which was the uh, last time I had you on the show, uh, that record, you know, because of the type of music, you know, the, the, the songs that you had picked, there was a lot of, you know, you know raw approaches to, the, to your tone. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know in regards to this record which is incredibly lush and you know not that there isn't some really raw you know I mean I certainly would say that the performances are raw because they struck me to my core but um, how did you go how, what was your approach this time as far as conjuring up tones for this record well I can tell you that um, Eric and I wanted to really work on this one and really do a production on it and add layers and different textures and um so we would do things like i I can tell you let's take an example there's the third song is called my foolish pride and it's a ballad and it's actually one of my favorites on there and um i did a couple of acoustic rhythms where i was strumming 
Um, and then we wanted an electric rhythm guitar and, and we did three different approaches. First, we were like, let's do like a stonesy, crunchy, kind of nasty rhythm behind it. And, and we did it and I lived with it for a couple of days and I went, that's not it. So we kind of cleaned it up. I live with that and I said, no, that's not it. And then I had this sort of epiphany and I, I said to him, you know, there's a song by Judy Collins from from 45 or 50 years ago, and it's called First Boy I Loved. Mm -hmm. And on the song, she has Stephen Stills, and he's playing his hollow body Gretsch, very clean, and he's hitting these pretty chords and then using his whammy bar so that the chords ring. That's what this song needs. So I went to my friend, Doc Patillo, who's this awesome guitar builder and musician. And um, he has a like a 1962 Gretsch Chet Atkins, you know, and mm -hmm. I said, please, may I borrow that? And then I played that through one of Robbie Krieger's um, old Gibson amplifiers and played it very clean. Um, so that was three different attempts at just getting the rhythm sound on that on that song but it came out beautiful i think you know yeah. um so we we did a lot of experimenting um just for a rhythm track on a song Let, let's try this amp no let's try that now let's set it like this and i even tried different guitars you know i yeah. um so it we did a lot of work and also textures um like heaven in your eyes um where it gets to the I can say the C major seventh chord, which is um, kind of the, the end of the verse. Um, when that chord comes in, we I strum an acoustic, and that's the only place the acoustic comes in is uh -huh. on that chord, uh -huh. you know. And this, so we, we really worked on this and spent a lot of time in the studio, whereas something like Survivor Blues, we pretty much set up and basically pretty much did that one live, you yeah. know. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with this record is is first off, it's an and I love headphone records, not earbud records, but headphone records. You know where you put yeah. a good set of cans on and you listen to a record and you're like, oh my god, okay, I'm gonna listen to the whole record one time and then I'm gonna go back and I'm just gonna listen to this side. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna yeah. listen to you know and then I'm gonna listen to this side. And I'm okay, I'm just gonna listen to the bass. You know and that's how lush this record is. It it has that the, that vibe of a, you know, like wish you were here, or uh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, just for an example. Now later, put on your headphones and listen to Heaven in Your Eyes and listen to all the layers yeah. and all the little um, when it goes back to the E minor chord, for instance. I strum on a Strat completely clean, played completely clean through an old Fender amp. I just strum this one kind of jangly chord that comes in, right. you know, and right. there's an acoustic on the one chord and then there's this electric over here. And that was really, um, I think I probably worked harder on this record than any other album to kind of establish these these layers and these textures you mm -hmm. know yeah i gotta tell you this out of all and it's funny because i say this every time you release a record i always go oh that's my favorite record 
<laughs> this is this is definitely I think this is the best record you've ever done. I really do. Well, thanks. It's good. It's my 29th solo album, so I'm I'm glad to hear that. Thanks. And I'm, you know, I'm, next year I'm going to be 70 years old, so I'm Wow. I'm still kicking here, that, man. That's so cool. <laughs> so on the way in, you didn't hear it, but on the way in, uh, we heard the title track, Ordinary Madness. And I got to mm-hmm. tell, tell you, the solo section on that is something that most guitarists, I think, aspire to their whole lives and wish they can achieve. It's truly and deeply emotional. Now, I, I was reading the one sheet, and it said that uh, that was what, you three passes on that one? Well, yeah. Um, I wanted, you know, I had, I've had to do this whole album with three fingers. I have a broken little finger. If you look at the album cover, you'll see that my pinky is in a black splint and also a little compression sock. I couldn't use it. So, um, I not only wanted the solos to come out good, but I didn't want some little flub or some little miss. And with that song, I really wanted a solo that expressed what the lyrics are about. Do you know? Yeah. Um, I said to my wife after I did the third pass and we said, yeah, okay, there it is. I brought it home and I I said to my wife, I wanted a solo that kind of expressed hidden latent mental illness, you know, like the song is about. And she looked at me and she said, well, you achieved it. You know? <laughs> it's such a, it is such an incredibly emotional solo. And those, those half bends, you know, uh, that, you know, you're, you're, you're just a little out of tune on purpose and it's just, tears away at you emotionally i love it uh-huh so good well that's that's it it's it's about um trying to musically express the the message in the lyrics you know yeah this is great and the tone is just marvelous i mean that's your strat with a boogie that is my strat played through a mark four and let me tell you how good boogie is for me um I was riding with my son, Michael, who is an amazing musician, a couple of years ago, and he said, hey, Dad, I want to play a song of yours. And he played the song in the car, and I said, yeah, what about it? He said, what amp are you using on there? I said, well, when was that record made? And he told me, I said, that's probably my old Mark IV. And he said, I think that's your best guitar tone. I said, really? And he said, yeah, it's just me, but I think so. So we came home and we set up my Mark IV and my Mark V in the garage, and I went back and forth, and I said, my God, Michael, I, I think I think you're right. I really like this Mark IV. I hadn't mm-hmm. used it in years. Mm. Um, and I called up Boogie, and I said, look, I'm gonna start taking my Mark IV on the road, and I, I need a spare. Could I get a spare Mark IV? Um, and they said, well, we don't make that anymore but we are going to build you a hand-built custom-made Mark IV just wow. for you. Wow. And their their main tech guy, Mike Bendinelli up there, he built me from scratch um, 
a Mark IV, and he he built the whole thing exactly. He even went and found the old logo and did the whole thing. That's and cool. that is a hand built, custom made Mark IV, and that's what I'm using on all the solos on this record. That's cool. That is so cool. I love those. I love that company, man. They are so cool. They're yeah, me cool. too. I've been with them for uh, probably 35 years, and yeah. they're so good to me. Yeah. I mean, you're one of the earlier users of, uh, of Boogie. I remember when I was like playing with John Mayall, and we were doing Strictly Blues, and I was using the Boogie, and guys were coming up man you can't play blues through a mesa boogie and I went, well maybe you can't but i can that's nonsense you know? that's so not such nonsense <laughs> yeah i know it's ridiculous oh my god i've had so many over the years too i mean uh, honestly this studio in here has had up up to four at a time yeah i love them i love them my favorite was yeah. always the uh the sob the son of the boogie the little 60 watt combo Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried one, but I literally sat next to a guy who was using a Marshall stack, and all I was using was the one twelve. And he was he said he said to me he goes, "Can you turn that down?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's the funny thing is you can get any tone, but you can get it at any volume. Yeah. If you set that like my mark. I always have been using the Mark series since the Mark One when I was with Mayall, and once you get the the amount of sustain and overdrive or gain and bass and treble and mids and everything that you want, then you can turn your master way down. I can set my mm -hmm. amp and I can play at 3 a.m. in my house, and and no, I don't wake anybody up, but it still has all this. Yep this gain and big yep. fat sound and balls to it and, absolutely. but it's, it can be whisper quiet and still have that they're amazing amps yeah absolutely yeah the sob had a limiter on it so you could bring it down to like just minus one and you know if you were yeah. you were sitting in front of it you could hear it and it sounded like it was hellfire you know just the right sure. amount of gain but nobody was really saying hey turn that down it was great it's yeah great. it's great amp. yeah so back to the record, um, the track Foolish Pride, go back to that for a second. To me, that was like, wow, this is like, this is like, you know, a ballad of, in the, in the genre, or not the genre, or in the, in the, in the ilk of a Springsteen or Billy Joel or Tom Petty. Type of a thing. Yeah, or or to me, I was almost thinking Jackson Brown after I heard it because yeah, he okay. does a lot of songs that are kind of confessional about his feelings and his emotions. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, well, that one, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. Um, I was just telling somebody else about this that sometimes when I ride in a van and I've got like six or seven hours in the van between cities on tour. I get kind of self-reflective and I start getting emotionally a little bit weird and missing my family and reflecting on my childhood and I go through all this ordinary madness to coin a phrase, coin a phrase and um, I start as a means of therapy, I, I just start writing notes to myself about myself in a notebook. Just It's like talking to a shrink, right? And yeah. Um, I, I opened up the notebook 
um, and I found this note that I guess I had had a bad gig the night before because when I have a bad gig and I don't feel like I've done my best, I feel like I've let the audience down. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen often, but when it happens, I am filled with shame. And I found this note that said, sometimes I do my best, but I fail. I know it happens to everyone. Then I try to hide away my shame and I get all wrapped up in myself. And I know it it doesn't matter much in the bigger scheme of things. And it's really just my foolish pride. And I had written that and I, I looked at it and I went, I'm going to put that in a song. Yeah. And um, so the first verse is literally just that note I found. That's why it does not rhyme. I had to write the rest of the song, and if you'll notice, the rest of the song rhymes, but not that first verse. That was just my little um, me trying to speak to a, a shrink, but doing it by writing down my thoughts, you yeah. know? And um, it, when I listen to it, um, it's just me, but I think that could be the best vocal I've ever done yeah. on a song because I was feeling it so much when I sang it. I think at the end of singing it, I think I had a kind of a nervous breakdown and wept for about a half an hour. Wow. You know? Wow. You know, that, you're talking about your vocals. That's another thing we really should talk about, too, on this record is the vocals is a whole nother level, too. Like, uh, and just to jump around, uh, Up Above My Sky, the vocals on there are just wow. Just phenomenal. Well, thanks, man. That, and that was a tough one to approach. I wasn't sure how to go about that one because that's a rather kind of unique song for a blues rocker, you know. Um, when I brought it to the band, they were all calling it Walter Floyd. They're like, hey, Walt, what do you, what do you think? You're turning into Pink Floyd here or what, you know? <laughs> that's wild. That's wild. It's that's a, it's another one of those really moving tracks. It's it's great. T tell us the story of that one. This is very interesting. I had a dream. I was playing a song called Up Above My Sky, and I got up and I went out to breakfast and I said to my wife, "Hey baby, I I had this really weird dream where I was playing a song and I kept singing up above my sky I don't know what that's about and she just walked off and she came back an hour later and said here you go and she handed me those lyrics all the lyrics on that song are her wow. she wrote the lyrics down and I said my god girl what what is this and she said and this is heavy she said think about the metaphor you know about living in the darkness or living in the light you know in star wars the dark side and mm -hmm. you know do you, do you want the darkness or you want to spread your light she goes it occurred to me that in the nighttime when it's dark you can look at the sky and you can see almost to the end of the universe you can see almost forever through the darkness but then when the light comes the the universe disappears and all you see is this blue sky over your head and she goes you have to look through the darkness and you have to get through the darkness in order to, to get to the light and mm -hmm. she goes so this song is a metaphor for that you have to live through the darkness look through it find your way through it and you can get to the light and that's what the last two lines are 
I can see through the darkness and I can find the light. And I looked at her and I went, my God, that's beautiful. And I just put it to music, but that's her lyrics. Wow, and that's so incredibly poignant and, and the timing couldn't be any more perfect right now in the world such as it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's that's incredible. I agree. Yeah. Wow. That's um that's really inspirational for me as I'm going through some stuff as well right now with the world such as it is and trying to Yeah. trying to find my way through. So that's Yeah. That's really helpful. That's great. Yeah, cool. That's 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 great. I'll I'll tell her that. Yeah. If her lyrics can help somebody because she really um the same thing happened with heaven in your eyes um i said to her i have this melody and i think it's it's a beautiful melody and it it kind of almost is like it sounds almost beatlesque or mccartney-esque or something it's this really pretty melody but i go it's got all these it's got all these syllables to it and I only have this line, heaven in your eyes. And, and there's so many syllables, I don't know what to write, so I'm going to get rid of it. And she goes, no, that melody's beautiful. Play it again. Mm-hmm. I played the melody, and she walked off, and she came back 20 minutes later and said, here's your song. And that's another one. Wow. Other than the line, heaven in your eyes, she wrote the whole thing. Wow. I wrote the music. She's very prolific. Believe me, she's she's... Um, working right now um, she's getting ready to publish her second book she's had articles published in classic rock magazine Um, she's quite a writer actually wow yeah I mean I I knew her as a writer but as a lyricist she's really kind of you know really come forward on this record you know yeah Um, how long have you two been together 30 years wow that's fantastic wow and you know I know you've been at this for five decades now and you're such a driven individual do you feel that she's sort of that you know to use that corny expression that wind beneath your wings well yeah yeah she's my guardian angel too she's the one who really saved my life when I had my health problems, you know, she's the one that dealt with the medical establishment. And when I was in UCLA and they told her that he's going to die, we can't do anything for him. She's the one who carried me onto an airplane and took me to Omaha, Nebraska, where they saved my life, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And, uh, even though I was in, in that hospital in Omaha for eight months in that bed. Um, but I, you know, if I'd have stayed in UCLA, I, I wouldn't have been here now, and I know it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and uh, so, yeah, she's uh, she's something else, man. Yeah. See, it's the, I think it's I think it's you're such an an interesting combination of things to me when I think about your story and 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 who how you've come so far and done so much and continue to thrive and continue to to get better all the time whereas so many other musicians in your genre they tend to kind of do the same thing over and over again and there isn't a lot of growth 
where with you there is this this like I keep saying this fire uh, to you. Well, well, it's I, I want to get better. I, I don't want to start regressing, or I don't want to just do the same thing. And um, a lot of the guys that that I really love and respect. Um, for instance, take like Neil Young. Yeah, you never know what the guy's gonna do. He'll oh, do yeah. an album of, of of acoustic country ballads, and then he'll put out an album that's forty minutes of guitar feedback. Yeah, he's fearless. Or a rockabilly and, and record. doesn't mean, or yeah, or rockabilly. Or <laughs> I mean, and, and Dylan is the same way. These yeah. guys are fearless and they're creative, and and they don't if they have an impulse to play or write a certain kind of music they don't stifle it they don't say oh i gotta stay within a certain box yeah. because this is what the fans expect you right. know and um you know it's um i respect those guys i always wanted to be an artist and i don't want to stifle my creative um urges or or my muse when when something strikes i don't want to say oh nope that's not bluesy enough. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to be a blues man. Yeah. No, I, I want to be a musician. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I want to play lots of, lots of, uh, what, whatever occurs to me to play. I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, your local b blues band on the corner is going to cover up above my sky, but, um, you know, or they're not going to cover heaven in your eyes, but, everything I do is basically comes from the blues. That's where I come from. And mm -hmm. that's my pedigree. And I was, you know, when I was 14, I went to my mom and I said, I'm going to be a blues guitar player. I just wanted to be Michael Bloomfield back then, you know? Yeah. And, um, so that, that is really everything I do comes out of the blues but I'm trying to go in different places with it, you know? Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, taking it, taking it, taking this genre to other places is going to deliver it to other people that might not necessarily go to it, you know? Yeah. I think that's part of it. And I think it's also, it's really healthy for the genre in general. Sort of like, you know, what, what Joanna Connor did with her last record. I thought that was really interesting for her to do some different styles within within the confines of the blues. And and then Gary Clark Jr., what he did, and what you're doing here with this record. You know, it's it's I'm yeah. I'm so encouraged when I when I hear somebody who's known as being a blues guitarist who is, yes, playing the blues, but taking it to its next logical place. You know? Yeah, and also, I mean, you can put on a song like Heartland, and you can go, mm -hmm. well, that song is probably more, if you've got to put it in a category, oh, it's more like Americana. Oh, but my you God. Know what? The, guitar, so <laughs> the guitar solos on there are blues guitar solos, man. Absolutely. You know? It's so funny you should say that, too, because that's what that was the next track I was going to talk about. And, I, and my question that I have written down here was, what was the inspiration for this Americana excursion? <laughs> okay, now this is a very interesting little story here, Mark, and this is the God's honest truth. Okay. I had, I had a dream that my wife and I were sitting on the couch and we were watching a show. The show was called Heartland. 
and the show ended and the theme song came on. And in the middle of the theme song, in the dream, I woke up and I was laying in my bed and I thought to myself, well, I don't, I don't really care for that show, but I like that theme song. And then I woke up a little more and I thought, wait, that's not a show. That was a dream. And I jumped out of the bed and press record on my phone. I have a guitar next to the bed. And alone at the break of dawn, a young girl sits on a fence and she can't help crying in the heartland. That was in the dream. Wow. I just recorded the first verse of the dream. And then I, I went back to bed and the next day I, pl I listened to it and I went, I got to turn this into a full song. But that first verse exactly as it was in the dream wow and we even thought I, I was talking with my wife and i said if i made it a young man sits on a fence or a young boy it could be autobiographical mm -hmm. and then we both went but that's not what the dream was the dream was about a girl let's right. let's keep it about a girl and not make it about yourself right you know right 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 yeah i mean because you're telling a story just like you said earlier about you know, like when Jackson Brown does these, these, these stories, you know, the Eagles too yeah. did, did stuff like that too. They told stories, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, you remember the first time you heard Hotel California and those lyrics and you go, wow, it was, yeah, it was like, exactly. a it was like a movie. And that's like Heartland is like that too. It's, it's very much like a movie. And it's funny that it was, you thought you were watching a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, and, and in the dream I was, and the song was exactly like that, and it was, uh, I felt like that was just given to me, man, that came from somewhere else, yeah, you know, some... now I had to work up the rest of it, I, but it was kind of easy, I thought, okay, the story here is a girl in the heartland, and she knows that if she wants to chase her dreams and have more in her life, she has to leave where she's from. Like when I left New Jersey, mm -hmm. when my wife left Denmark to come over here, when when my producer, Eric Korn, left Winnipeg, Canada and moved to L.A. to chase his dream. It's, uh, you know, it's Jimi Hendrix moving to London to yeah. chase his dream. Yeah, that's it's a it's a typical story. And um, so once I said, well, this is the story I have to tell, then boom, there it was, you yeah. know. Super cool. That's fantastic. I love that. Um, so another track that you are like seriously bringing amazing tone to is All Out of Tears. That one, we were in Memphis in January. They have a thing called the IBCs, the International Blues Challenge. And again, my wife was the moderator at a panel there called Women in Blues. And she was running the panel. And after the panel, we were walking on Beale Street and we ran into a friend of ours who was the wonderful, great blues singer named Teeny Tucker. Mm -hmm. And I, we said, Teeny, how you doing? And she said, well, I'm OK, except my oldest son recently passed away. Mm. And I said, oh, Teeny, I'm I'm so sorry to hear that, you know. And she looked at us and she said, my heart is crying, but my eyes are dry. I'm all out of tears. Wow. And I looked at her and I went, 
did you just say that or is that in a song? She said, no, I just told you how I feel. And I said, well, we're going to write that into a song. So um, I wrote the music and Teeny and myself and my wife wrote the lyrics. Wow. Wow. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because now this record's meaning even more for me and I know it will for the listeners. And um, also, you know, we decided instead of making it specifically about one person that you've lost, we wanted to make it universal and make it how it feels when you lose someone you love. It could be a sister, a brother, a lover, a wife, a husband, a child, a best friend. Um, But what is it you feel when you're in that grief? you know so that's what we did with that song but that was just her talking and I looked at her and said that's that's gotta be a song Teeny you know yeah that's fantastic outrageous and on the on the uh, on the album when you get the actual album in the liner notes um, we dedicate it to her son and she's actually written a little piece about him in there we let her write a little bit and put it on there oh that's great that's great yeah that's something i wanted to ask so um this record's released on provogue um which Mm -hmm. is an amazing label there are so many great artists and so much great music coming out of this label um where can folks get the hard copy should they want a hard copy can they get it right through the record company you can get it through the record company. You can pre-order it on Amazon. If you go to waltertrout.com and you pre-order it from us, you'll get a signed copy cool. that we will send you. Cool. Um, and what we're going to do, because right now it's either on on vinyl or it's in a, um, a special edition box set that comes with some other things in the box set with the CD. And um, because I... In order to sign, I can't. I don't want to open up the box set, so they're going to send me some some booklets from the CD. Uh, and if you purchase it from us, I will sign the booklet, and we will send you the box set and the booklet. And then you can replace the booklet with the signed booklet. Very cool. That's great. So another track that's really, really like when I heard it, like I said to myself, wow, this track really demands your full attention is the sun is going down. Yes, that's about, um, it's pretty self-explanatory. That is dealing with aging and dealing with the deep knowledge, at least for me that I have that um, I'm on borrowed time here. After my illness where I was in that bed in the liver ward for eight months watching people die all around me and and miraculously having my life saved. Um, I'm aware that I, I don't know how long I'll be here, you know, and I'm, I want to make the best of things, but it's, it's about aging and it's about the passing of time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that I got to say after the song ends and then that, that, kind of jam comes in after the slow part that was spontaneous we we played the song and we were sitting there and i just started playing that lick on the guitar and everybody jumped in and i went oh my god let's do that (laughs) you know 
And um, we only played it twice. And Teddy, the keyboard player, said, look, we're in D minor. Let's end it on B flat. We'll do this little descending lick. And we're all, yeah, that's cool. And th that was just spontaneous. Um, and uh, I, I couldn't believe when it happened, really. I, I kind of go on, da, 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 and the band jumped in, and we all went, that is cool, man. Let's put it on there, you know. And also with the uh, the kind of acapella intro to the song, yeah, um, that was an experiment. I, I said, hey, Eric, I want to do something weird on the beginning here. Turn on the vocal mic. And I went out and sang a line. And I was like, well, I'm going to sing a harmony over that. I ended up doing six parts. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that works, you know. That's so cool. Really good. I, it's a, that's a track I can I can only imagine how how that'll go over live. Oh, and that jam on the end. Yeah. When when we do that live, I can guarantee you, you're probably looking at 15 minutes of us going off. You know. <laughs> yeah, man, I dig it. Um, so you wrote a song for for not only your for you, but for my generation, our generation, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wrote a song called yeah. Okay Boomer. <laughs> I That's love it. it, man. Whenever whenever something becomes like a slag off or you're not, you know, I'm the guy who when they tell you you're not supposed to like 70s strats so that's what i play is 70s strats <laughs> and you know years ago a guy sent me an email i came to see you you play too many notes and you're too loud so for years i sold t-shirts on the t-shirt it says walter trout and then in big letters too many notes too loud <laughs> you know i'm like if something's supposed to be you know a slag off i own it i'm gonna own it and i'm gonna turn it around right. so when you know even my kids would say to me okay boomer <laughs> and i went okay i'm gonna own that and that's another one my wife basically wrote the first verse I said, uh, I said, I got. I'm going to do the song about being a boomer. I got a line. I was born in '51, and she wrote the rest of the first verse, and then I wrote the rest of it. But that one, I went to the band and I said, I want us to sound like we're all 16 years old. Mm -hmm. It's back in the '60s. We're in the garage, and we're just loose, and it's chaotic and we're having fun yeah. and we're maybe not even all playing together we're, it's just madness it's chaos right. but we're having a ball i said remember how it felt when you were 15 and you're jamming with your friends in the garage and yeah. maybe you're not even very good but you're going at it with everything you have that's what i want it to sound like so we basically played it once we didn't even rehearse it you know that's great. It, uh, it put a huge smile on my face. <laughs> and also, you know, I figured after all the heaviness on the album, we'll end with a little levity. Yeah. With, you know, um, I still love my rock and roll, the Beatles and the Stones. Yep. But I can't dance anymore. It hurts me in my bones. <laughs> I like my music loud. I'm geriatric and I'm proud, you know. And, uh so it was like let's end with a little and give give our generation an anthem right we got an anthem yeah now, now we know? got something yeah it's it's <laughs> it's no longer rock and roll all night and party every day it's okay boomer <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it, man. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? I got to thank you also because uh, last time we chatted, you turned me on to the strap that you use for your uh, for your strat, and uh, I started yeah. I started using it for my seventy strat, which are my heaviest strat. And uh, it it saved my life. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, it saved my career years ago, man. It really did. It's yeah. it's an amazing thing, and um, I've been using it for, for almost twenty years now. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I I won't go back to a regular strap. Yeah. You know. You know, I know that the folks over at Fender uh, listen to my show. I've had them on. Uh, I speak with them regularly. Matter of fact, I might be doing some work with them in the future. I think there should be a Walter Trout signature model. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think that would be a great idea. I don't know if they'd want to do it. I mean, I don't know if they've ever seen a photo of my old Strat. And if they take a look at what it looks like now on the cover of my new album, um, they need to realize I bought that new in 1973 and it was blazing white. Right. That is what touring will do to it, you know. Right. And um, I am a confirmed Stratocaster player. Yeah, I know. I've built my whole style around the Strat, yep. you know. Yeah, yeah. What's the profile on that neck? Is it fat? Is it chunky? My God, I I don't even know. I'm I'm so untechnical, Mark. <laughs> I, you know, that's why I don't use pedals. I don't have anything against them. I just wouldn't even know how to hook one up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just plug into the amp. I'm an old guy. Well, with a boogie. I learned how to play guitar and started playing in bars that pedals yeah. didn't exist, you yeah. know. Yeah. And well, you know, it's funny. When I was playing boogies exclusively, I never used a pedal. I didn't have to. Everything was at the volume. No, you don't have to. Everything was happening yeah. at the volume control on the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Set it and forget it. it. <laughs> well, man, I got to tell you, this is so great. This record is amazing. I wish you would nothing but success with it, man. It is, it is fantastic. It really is. Thank you very much, man. Thank you, and thanks for having me on your show again. I appreciate it. Oh, and I appreciate you taking the time out, folks. The record is called Ord Ordinary Madness. It comes out on August twenty eighth. I highly recommend you uh, don't just stream it, buy it. Okay, enough with this streaming shit. Go out and buy the damn thing. <laughs> I'm so sick and of purchase it. Purchase it from my website yes. and I'll sign it for you. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Walter Trout, you are uh, you are really an inspiration to me, I have to say, and have been for a very long time. And it's it's such a pleasure to get to talk to you again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Where are you located? Where do you live, man? I'm in Austin, Texas. Well, I hope I get back there and we can meet in person and say hello. Hey, man, are you still eating barbecue? Um, actually, not really. I kind of go on vegetarian, but okay. only because I I, I I eat meat now. I get gout. Oh, and okay. It's no fun. No, this that's not. Old's a bitch, man. It is. I can dig it. Now that we got a lot yeah. of good, we got a good lot of good veggie places I could take you to. That sounds good, Mark. Thanks again for having me on your show, man. All right, you be safe, and my that's, best to the family. That's it, and stay safe and healthy, man. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Right, bye bye. One, two, three, four.
Guitar Radio Show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, GuitarRadioShow.com, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Find Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, if you like the artists you hear on Guitar Radio Show, don't just stream their music, buy it. (laughs) 